Ladies and gentlemen, in the blue corner, standing at a sleek 5'11", 245 pounds, the tumultuous tempest of technique, Thomas Lilly. And in the red corner, at a curvaceous 5'11", 315 pounds, the jovial juggernaut of judgment, John Cheryl Sheridan. A meeting of the masters of mastication turn your attention as they delve deep into all things lifting and more. This is Peak Speak. For the shortest podcast in history. Is powerlifting actually that unique? No. Podcast Thank you. Over. Five Goodbye. stars. Don't forget buy to buy coffee some from prison. Um, prison. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Good. <laughs> Almost forgot. We are basically professionals at this point. I love it. Yeah, I mean, look at this consistency. This is like three episodes in a month. Yeah, but is Sam going to get it out in a month inside this month? Ah, he's in Japan. Yeah, exactly. Is the media team letting us down for the first time in history? Because for the first time in history, we're organized while he's on holiday. (laughs) For the first time in history, he's taking a fucking holiday. Yeah, well, I mean, that probably plays a role too. Instead of working 18 jobs. Yeah. How are you, Thomas? I am uh, feeling pretty good feeling pretty good it's getting nice and cool in queensland so it's not it's nice to not be sweating to death for once excellent don't come to canberra because you'll need a jumper and a beanie it's freezing fucking cold here (laughs) every time i uh cook anything on my smoker that stefan made for me i message him to let me know and he very kindly reminded me who daddy was last weekend because we were cooking at the same time yeah, yeah while was, he was at I was cooking, yeah i was cooking two briskets and he was cooking like 55 yeah, yeah dude i so he he sent me a rundown of how much he cooked hold on where is it it was like 55 briskets a- across the weekend he cooked 950 kilos worth of brisket <laughs> 300 kilos worth of chicken wings three a uh, 300 ish of beef ribs 400 ish of pork and about half a ton of uh potato gems like tater tots half a ton yeah like 500 kilos <laughs> of tater tots i know like people who've been powerlifting for like several years and who still can't total 500 and he sold that many <laughs> potato gems potato in three gems. days oh that's the best comparison ever yeah <laughs> yeah oh, anyway man. if you're in canberra and you want to come eat some of his spectacular barbecue you should come down this weekend which is actually probably yesterday if this episode goes out Monday next week, because he's coming down this weekend to do a little pop-up again at the gym, which is always nice. Oh, so not even a comp? No, he's started coming down semi-regularly to just do like a pop-up setup. Yeah. And when it lines up with a comp, he comes down for comps, but uh, it doesn't always. And he's sort of got a, a pretty solid following in Canberra now. Um, yeah. And pretty say, consistently turns people turn up and he sells out pretty quickly. So What's, what's the ratio of burly people to non-burly people that oh it'd be like 20 to 80 something like yeah, that wow. you know like it's it's primarily other people i think he's a couple of times put a few dollars behind a facebook ad or two and that's been enough to spread the word but the thing is in canberra there's just nowhere that does yeah decent barbecue at all so uh he just has got enough people hooked that they just keep turning up yeah 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 i'm i'm hoping I'm hoping that all of your APL refs and helpers fall sick for your comp and you can be like, hey, APL, we need people to come down. And I can be like, hey, APL, fly me down because I really want barbecue. 
I'm always happy to lie to powerlifting federations. Yeah, if you could lie to Daniel, that'd be fantastic. Be Dear great. Daniel, Thomas needs to come down for brisket and powerlifting things. I mean, powerlifting things. No, lie to him and say, because he'd really appreciate it. He's a big lover of barbecue. So say, we've got no help. Send all your help home and we'll come and do it. <laughs> Seems like a reasonable plan. I don't know what could possibly go wrong. No. Um, thank you to our sponsors, Prism. I put no effort into making a quip. And here we are. Yes, here we are. Drink some delicious coffee. I've had too many of them today, but you know, too many doesn't really exist. What What's your maximum? Like, what at what point for you are you like? I don't think I should have another one. Uh, it'd be about the point I'm at now, where I had my last. I think would have been my fourth coffee. Like I ate lunch and then had another coffee, and, and that'd they, be the point at which I will stop. Are they all double shots? Yeah, so the, I like I just make them as single shots, but a du- it's a double shot basket, so it's a twenty-two gram dose or something like that. Okay, wait, help me understand this. Mm. Like, what when you say it's not a double shot, but it is because I use the double shot basket as well. Yeah, yeah. So, I, like, it's in, the equivalent of two single shots, essentially. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. In theory, a single shot is generally more like I think it's like fourteen to. 16 grams or something like that and the doubles a bit more than that okay um but i think it depends on who you talk to i've always just used doubles because i that's the size of the mug i use versus the ratio of coffee to milk that i like okay so a double shot then in in that scenario is not truly a double shot it's slightly it's like one and a half shots Look, I... I only say this because i feel like if i have a double shot at a cafe i get way more fucked up than a double shot at home Yeah, well, that could just be a dosing thing. It depends on the size of the basket. So, like, I've got a 22-gram basket uh, that's, like, a double-shot basket. But sometimes you get a double-shot at a cafe that's only, like, an 18-gram basket or a 20-gram basket. So, I think that plays a role as well. Okay. Um, But, yeah, I'm no expert. But I think I... Yeah, I think I'm on coffee number four. So, yeah, that's about my limit before I start to run the risk of ruining my sleep. Yeah, nice. nice, nice but anyway, nice. buy some coffee from our friends at Prism using exactly. the code PeakSpeak. It's delicious. Get it in your face. Do that. It's unique. Just like powerlifting. Oh, is that has got to be one of your worst segues in recent history, but we'll run with it. Haven't had enough Prism. Clearly. Clearly. Mm. So we're going to no. talk about powerlifting and how it's not maybe as unique as we all like to think it is. Yeah, well, we, we were we were talking off air about uh, refereeing and powerlifting, and and uh, I was sort of suggesting we talk about refereeing, and then you made the comment. Well, I think a lot of people think it's unique to, to powerlifting to complain about. No, you were really saying it's not unique to powerlifting to complain yeah. about refereeing. It happens in every sport. Everyone complains about the ref. I spend like at least. 80 minutes a week at the moment in rugby season shouting at my television for no good reason about the absent state of the refereeing in whatever game of rugby I'm watching. But it's mostly about is the refereeing mistakes and or bias happening in the direction I want it to or not. So which is the the funny thing about complaining about refereeing in powerlifting, right? Everyone wants to complain when someone else gets a whites for a high squat. But if you get whites for a high squat, you're like, well, the, the ref said it was good, so it must be good. Yeah. It's funny like that. Uh, it's th- that emotional attachment to whatever it is will really then blind you when you're watching the competition. Oh yeah. So if, if you or your lifter has been hard done by, in your opinion, 
then you're going to find reasons why everyone else is is getting the benefits. The, the thing that gets me the most, the thing that pisses me off the most, is when people make either subtle or not so subtle comments about referees favoring particular lifters. And I don't know if I'm too trusting or not, but I'd really like to believe that this doesn't genuinely happen. If anything, I think I'd probably see it happen in reverse, right? Like, I know a lot of our refs would like subconsciously i suspect be a little bit harsher on our people so they don't have that impression they don't give off that impression that they're giving our lifters the benefit of the the doubt or whatever but i've also had a group of people at various points uh reference our refereeing as being biased against them and the assumption in that context is that it's biased against them because of who they are as people or because we don't like them or some bullshit like that. Biased which is just... they don't follow the fucking rules. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's biased <laughs> against people who don't know the rules, which is what good refereeing should be. It should be about holding the sport to a standard and making sure that everyone's meeting that standard. And if you're too lazy and or stupid to read the rule book consistently and understand the rule book rather than just interpret or have your interpretation of powerlifting rules based on some bullshit you read on the internet then it's not our fault you know (laughs) i think that's the that's the problem is everyone likes to bitch and moan about powerlifting refereeing and yet so few people could actually quote or even have a good understanding of the actual rules around what they're complaining about you know Mm. yeah i the 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 biased opinion, the reverse biased opinion is interesting because, you know, I think of myself, I, I do a bit of ref- refereeing, I train referees, I coach, I watch lifting, and I know what people's squats look like even if I can't see everything. Like, I, I can tell for some lifters if they're high or not based on other parts of their body that I can see, and if they get blocked, I kind of know if it's high or not. And I also yeah. know what to expect when they're lifting. And so does that then add some bias to my refereeing because... I can watch more closely. I can know what to expect. I can know what areas they're going to fail on before they get on the platform. Whereas with a fresh lifter that I've never seen, like if we're talking about bench, for example, if I know this lifter struggles with keeping their hips on the bench, it's probably where my eyes are going to focus. But with a new lifter, am I looking at the calls? Am I looking at their hips, their feet moving around? What am I looking at? You know, And so, like, I mean, the ideal scenario would be have external refs to the people on the platform for every competition, almost a completely external refereeing crew. But mm, fortunately, uh, powerlifting is rife with just plenty of volunteers who exactly. have absolutely no connection to any aspect of the sport and are willing to give up their time to do an unpaid job. Yeah, that that'll that'll work really well. I actually think that what you're saying partly makes you a better ref, right? Mm. Not necessarily the refing your own lifters aspect, but a good understanding of like how the lifts work and things like that means you see the nuance that a less experienced ref might not see, right? Like you and I have a coaching eye that even an experienced ref might not have on the same scale because they haven't spent the same amount of time as we have like consciously and deliberately breaking things down into segments and understanding the whole piece, right? And I know I catch myself, not catch myself, but I spend a a bunch of time watching lifts from the referee's perspective at our comps and then just pointing out little things that you know could have maybe gone either way or where reasons why maybe that lift should have been reds not whites or vice versa and it's never and it's actually more common at novice comps than anything else because that's where you get the more 
chaotic's the wrong word, but chaotic lifting in that they're they're less predictable, right? Yeah, and so yeah, you yeah. need you need a better understanding of what you're looking at, of what you're trying to judge things based on in order to be able to make those judgment calls. And I think that's the thing that annoys me most about people in powerlifting who bitch about refing is I don't think I've ever seen anyone who's actively sat in a referee's chair and gotten good at refereeing bitch about refereeing in any shape or form because they actually understand how fucking hard it is. Mm-hmm. Like it is not an easy job to, especially to do well, especially to do at big competitions where there's lots of pressure on it. I mean, fuck, like I've red lighted Andre Milanichev, and you can't tell me that sitting on a stage like that isn't a little bit terrifying, regardless of how confident you are in your abilities. I'm a reasonably confident person. It still made me a bit nervous to red light him, despite very much deserving the red lights at the mm-hmm. time, and to expect a relatively green ref sitting in a chair at a state level meet to have that same level of confidence in their own abilities i think is unreasonable from a lot of people and the like i said the people that tend to bitch and moan about this stuff are almost exclusively people who don't volunteer their time not just like don't referee but like don't help spot and load at comps or don't help in any way push the sport forward they just get on the internet and bitch about their shitty results Mm. yeah absolutely um when, when you reference refereeing being a hard job, I think one thing that is very true that you'll agree with, that any ref will agree with that's never really spoken about is the fact that when you referee a comp, like say you referee a, a mammoth comp like our nationals or worlds last year or you know GPC nationals back in the day with five days of lifting, let's say you ref every day at that, say 85% plus or even 90% plus are going to be very easy whites or reds. Mm. Like are going to be very, very, very unremarkable. Yep. And that percentage is conservative. It's probably more like 97%. 90, 97, 98. Yeah. For sure. Like you very rarely see the weird cases. Mm. And of the weird cases, there are even weirder cases within that that you almost never see. But you have to be, you know, you have to know the, the rule book inside out. And uh, that makes it difficult because you get complacent with the refereeing. You, you start to believe that every ref's going to be, uh, every lift is going to be okay. And you just get a lot less exposure to weird things. And then you'll see it and be like, did that happen? Did I see that? Yeah, yeah. And if you're sitting there questioning it, you have to give them a white benefit. Exactly. Of the doubt. Yeah. Uh, and so it, it, it is a tough job. It's, it's one thing as well um, to recognize that it's another thing to then realize that most federations don't have any formal referee training protocols at all no nope. uh, like every federation i've been a part of i've become a national ref by doing an open book exam that's normally allowed to take place over 30 days uh and then just jump in the chair basically away you go yeah uh, and then whoever then trains you up and sits next to you has their own biases that they bring into it and if you've got different people in different states doing this that don't communicate to each other like the there's been too much reliance on the sanctity of the rule book and when you read the rule book, it's full of gray areas, mm. uh, full of subjective uh, pieces of information. So uh, one thing I'm trying to do with APL is uh, record competitions from refereeing spots and try and catch some of these anomalies and give people as, as many examples of these weird things as we can. Yeah. Uh, so we've got a more consistent approach. Which is it- hard to do because you really actually need it from at least two angles. Like you mm. need a front and a side angle for all of those lifts, exactly. which means you end up with like many, many hours of footage from two separate cameras <laughs> 
to only clip out three lifts or something like that, you know? Like, it's it's not an easy job by any means, which is part of the reason it hasn't happened up until this point, right? There's just no one who's put in the effort like that yeah. to, I'm um, trying to, to standardise like, it. CJ, this person squats high. Film it from the side. Now film it from the front. Like, catch two of their attempts. Yeah. But yeah. we've got one, t- one attempt to identify it, then two attempts to capture it. And yeah, if they yeah. fix it on either of the other attempts... Yeah, man. And I think that's the thing that to sort of bring it back to the point about powerlifting not actually being that unique. I've been a like I in high school did a rugby refereeing course and like, you know, became a a qualified rugby referee, refereed a season of rugby, copped all the abuse you get as a fucking teenager refereeing children's games from overly entitled parents. My mum berated one of them in the car park once. That was great. Um, And... In that context, you like same thing. You have to actually sit through a couple of days worth of like coursework stuff. Then you had to do an exam. Then there was like ongoing training sessions where like the rugby referees of Canberra would get together and like do a physical training session, but also look at different rules and stuff like that. And so it was this kind of continual process of developing it, right? And then you look at something like powerlifting, which ha- sorry, something like rugby, which has multiple tiers of competition that you can work your way up, right? Like there were people I went to school with who were refereeing in high school who then went on to be the referees that I played under playing opens rugby who then some of them went on to referee professionally and and do that kind of stuff as well and powerlifting very much has that pathway in you know I blood for lack of a better term my referees at our novice comps and it's generally the process I go through is like okay well you can sit next to this person and just talk to them as they go through and our more experienced refs will sit there and talk you through their decisions and help you understand what they're seeing and what to look for and stuff like that. And then we basically just do the same thing, but you get to control the light and you know, you talk to the person and, and press the right button and do those kind of things. And then you do your referee exam and then you're qualified and then it's just an experience thing. And it's unfortunate that I think even, even with a really good educational system, you're still going to need just time in the chair, right? Mm. And because you can watch all the recorded lifts in the world, but until you've had to watch it live at live speed without a chance to replay it, without any of that stuff, it's just, it's still a different ball game, right? And I think having the educational process in place is, is definitely a really important part of it. But it's then about having a continual education that comes with that, right? That continues to help expose people to different levels of competition, different types of competition. You know, the idea that equipped judging is any different to raw judging is, spoiler alert, bullshit. Because it's the same fucking sport and the rules are all the same. Yeah. Um, well, and you if mean anything, you haven't read the equipped rule book? If anything, it's easier to judge equipped because it just moves heaps slower. Slow motion. Easy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and it's those sort of pathways that I think have, like you said, been lacking in the sport for a long time. And and I think that's where, you know, again, powerlifting's not that unique. It's just relatively young in a structured sense, right? You look at sports like rugby, like soccer, that have been around for centuries. And powerlifting's been around for a long time. But the shit thing about powerlifting is the 7 million governing bodies all having their own egos and their own biases when it comes to refereeing. You know, some of them understand powerlifting rules and some of them just don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so having that difference of opinion or whatever you want to call it, then just being still so young in terms of developing as a sport and the popularity of the sport, 
that's what's made it feel unique, but also made the refereeing process a lot harder because we don't have that established background in the same way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. Uh, I think um, powerlifting refereeing is similar to powerlifting coaching where uh, I don't believe you need to be the best lifter to be the best coach, but I believe having some lifting experience, some empathy, some Absolutely. feeling makes you a better coach. And I kind of feel the same way about powerlifting refereeing. And I don't mean because so, like I, I know some people that are like, I don't want to referee because I care about the lifter too much and I'll be too lenient to like, oh, yeah, it was a little bit funky, but they tried really hard. Yeah, um, the other end of that spectrum is my girlfriend who could not give a fuck about the lifter <laughs> yeah. and will happily press red lights for all eternity, but so, has also done more powerlifting refereeing than most powerlifters have watched powerlifting, so... That helps too. <laughs> so I don't. I don't mean the empathetic side of things, I, but I do believe that uh, you know having a general understanding of the movements themselves uh, can be beneficial. And the the, the biggest and most most immediate example I can think of is the amount of times I've watched lifts get red lighted, and I don't mean my lifters, any lifter really get red lighted for hitching uh, when they've got a slow deadlift with an aggressive lockout that looks kind of messy. You know, the amount of times I've seen people get red lighted for lifts being ugly, but not crossing any of the any of the rules uh, is really frustrating to watch as a lifter, a coach and a refereeing, uh, a referee. Yeah. And I think having some empathy, understanding of the movement is going to be really important. And being a lifter or a coach really helps with that. Or someone like Sim, who's seen 20 billion powerlifting competitions and sat there and ref just builds that experience over time anyway. Yeah, exactly. And it, it's that thing that I've you know, I've always wished and joked a bit about the idea that I wish I could give red lights for style. Like, <laughs> you know, that was technically good, but like the vibe was off and yeah. I'd just like to give you reds for that. But unfortunately, that's not how the sport exists. Um, and if but- I could give red lights for haircuts these days, every sub 22 year old male would get a red light for their fucking dirty mustache and their dank ass mullets with the shaved. Get fucked. Anyway, uh, that's the best salty old Thomas moment we've Man. had in a while. Yeah, look, it's I've always said if powerlifting had a style points category, I would have been a much more successful powerlifter than I really was. Um, <laughs> but here we are stuck with a sport that, as we said, is is maybe not as unique as we think. And I think that's part of this whole discussion is recognizing that we've got to look at other sports, right? And I know that APL is doing a very good job of this in terms of creating an organization that looks like a legitimate professional sporting organization because it's not unique. It's still just a sport that's primarily run by volunteers that like almost every other grassroots sport in the world is primarily run by volunteers, has an established set of rules, all of those kind of things. And I think too often because we all have discovered this beautifully niche thing that we all get super excited about that's far less niche now than it was when you and I started. Mm. Uh, we get excited about, uh, like, almost gatekeeping it in a way, like, oh, it's unique, no, no, sorry, that doesn't apply to us because we're powerlifters. It's like, nah, bro, you're just lifting weights competitively and it's the same as kicking a footy competitively. It's just a slightly different outcome, you know? And I think the more we can remove that bias of like we're different we're unique those sort of things the more the whole sport can actually grow because we can learn from sports that have been doing it for hundreds of years longer than powerlifting has is there anything that you can think of like what's the first thing that comes to your mind that is unique to powerlifting 
So my only answer would generally be the the governing bodies thing, but even that's not that unique because things like boxing and martial arts and those sort of things, they all have multiple governing bodies. Um, I think one of the unique things about powerlifting is, and it's probably not unique to powerlifting as much as it is strength sports, is the crossover between general and specific training in that if I'm playing rugby, everything I do in the gym is general physical preparation for playing game situations with a ball in my hand. Whereas in powerlifting, in weightlifting, in strongman, almost everything you do in the training setting is practice for the competition aspect, right? It's more specific, but that's not necessarily specific to the, uh, unique to the sport. It's unique to the training process. In terms of the sport itself, other than being uniquely fucking boring as a spectator sport, uh, I'm not convinced there are that many unique things. You know, the more I think about it, the more lots of the things that we would have said were unique when we first got into it are, are less unique than perhaps we thought. Yeah, I, I think for me the the only thing that really jumps out at me is the real time comparison to what this sport looks like with performance enhancing drugs and without. Yeah, actually, I, I that, that's probably the big unique point. Because uh, like I think of weightlifting even, and yeah, there's been some drug cheats that have been caught and all that sort of stuff, uh, but plenty more that haven't. <laughs> yeah, when 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 the the rare egg that's been caught then goes ham on it, and we get to see what they could be capable of if there was an untested division. Because um, I mean, you can't even play this card with strongman because I don't, as far as I know, there's not a tested strongman division, or at least there's not in Australia. There certainly isn't in Australia. I feel like I've seen drug-tested strongman in America somewhere, but it surely, can't be very Surely big. there is. There'd, yeah. there'd be a small market for it somewhere. Uh, but it, I think it's pretty unique. And it's also unique because performance-enhancing drugs that you know are used universally in multiple sports have far more an impact on strength yes. than, than anything. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, like, you know, people using performance enhancing using testosterone variants for cycling are not going to have quite the same stark difference to someone using it to lift weights yeah, yeah. Uh, part of me really actually likes that yeah you know, I, a man, because it I, gives I people fantastic. an outlet yeah. who want to use performance enhancing drugs somewhere to do it legitimately yeah yeah and that's the thing that i think is cool about it right like in a lot of sport at a really high level there's still this undertone of like performance enhancing drugs being the the soft secret that no one talks about right whereas in and it's also i think partly or mostly i guess why i think if you get a drug ban in powerlifting you're actually just a terrible fucking person <laughs> yeah because you've got a place to do it yeah yeah exactly because in every other sport you could have competed in you would have been like maybe you're still a, like you are still technically a cheat but perhaps in you know the context of the tour de france because i'm on a cycling kick at the moment nice. like lance armstrong yeah he was a dirty cheat but like so is the other top 15 riders in the years that he was winning. He was just better at it than others, right? Like there, there's still a differentiating factor of like just genuinely being better at the sport. The other thing is like in powerlifting, you have the choice to go elsewhere. Like you have a choice to be legitimate in your use of performance enhancing drugs. And so I think even less of someone who then turns up at a tested meet and gets done for whatever it is they got done for because you're just a complete fuckwit in my books you you had a better option and you chose the moral low ground deliberately mm. yeah for sure for sure was lance armstrong and cheat never got caught we never tested positive the only the thing that made him uh that he got caught was because he was a cunt to people 
<laughs> and all his teammates ratted him out for being a cunt to people. <laughs> but there are like some of the years that he won yellow that they haven't awarded a yellow jersey. Like that mm. year just doesn't have a winner because yeah. they were all dirty. Like it was a it was a sport wide thing. Whereas in yeah in powerlifting you've got all these other opportunities. If you want to pin a gram and a half a week, go compete in a fed that doesn't give a shit and see yeah. what happens. You know that's that I I think it's actually a a cool thing about sport because instead of this this sort of quiet secret that no one wants to talk about out loud we're just pretty open about it like you can do it or you don't it doesn't really matter you just get the choice and i think that actually makes it really cool because there's plenty of people who are going to do it anyway so give them the opportunity to do it yeah let's make an untested olympics see how Man, you can't fucking can. tell me you don't want to see usain bolt get no. juicy as fuck and run a six second hundred like just tear as- his own hamstrings off his legs and assuming he's not already well, you never know. <laughs> yeah, we'll just make we'll just join the conspiracy theorists that think anyone who's performing better than them yeah, without yeah. drugs is automatically on drugs. It's, it's the default answer, right? Oh, that person's better than me. Couldn't possibly be that I just suck. It's definitely <laughs> drugs. Well, man, I know uh, you're on yeah, a run. You're a tight time schedule, so we better cut it there. That's right. See, See you all next time. Bye. Bye.